With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So in order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to pay attention to and hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that happen. And I would love to learn more about the audience. So go to PodSurvey, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, PodSurvey.com slash James, and take a quick totally anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring on advertisers and, and even content that you won't want to skip. So once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash James, J-A-M-E-S. Thanks for your help. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. So this is James Altucher with the James Altucher Show, and I'm here with Noah Kagan. Some of you might not know who he is, but uh, Noah, I, I know your your most important thing that I want to talk about in this podcast is AppSumo, and by the end of this podcast, anyone listening to this is going to learn how to make uh, seven figures in their spare time, but... I do want to mention that you were Facebook employee number 30 and you got fired. And I know everybody talks to you about this and I don't want to be yet another guy asking you about this, but I have to ask you about it. So welcome to the show, Noah. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Facebook employee number 30, what was even, was it like a tiny little website when you were Facebook employee number 30? Like what was it then? Well, it's all relative, right? So even back then, it was still pretty, pretty big. It was, we had about 7 million signups. I think we were doing somewhere between 15 and 50,000 signups a day. Hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, obviously now there are, you know, 1.5 billion active people, give or take. And then, you know, it, at, that, at that time it was small, but it was still growing at like an enormous pace. So it felt good. It felt ex- like something exciting was happening. Oh, I mean, I knew something was exciting was happening. I mean, I was in a, I was an RA in the college in Berkeley, and uh, all my residents were like, "Oh, I'm on Facebook. Let me poke you." And I'm like, "Fuck, I'm on Friendster. Leave me this shit alone. Like, I don't want to use another site." And uh, you know, just kept people just kept using it and kept talking about it, at least within a very small circle of you know, with the college market. And so, did, I, did, I, I, did you guys have a sense then that this was going to be bigger than MySpace? Oh, we knew it. We knew it. We were definitely intimidated. It's funny because it's one of those things in retrospect. It seems obvious. Like, oh, of course they're going to be MySpace. But at the time, I had my mom calling me every week. Once, I, especially, I quit Intel to join, and my mom, and my grandmother, Nima, was like, "Oh no, I'm so worried. They don't have the health insurance." And and uh, the irony is, uh, Intel laid off ten thousand people about a month after I, I went to Facebook. And, and did they uh, stop calling then? Uh, yeah, well, once my mom, uh, you know, she kept hearing about MySpace on Oprah, <laughs> so she was like, "No, you got to get, you got to get on Oprah. I know that's what's going to happen." And uh, you know, I think over time, as we, you know, paychecks started coming in, and she started seeing the name Facebook in the news, she uh, she worried a lot less. Okay, but that's we good. Uh, we actually we we had this, you know, Mark had this very clear confidence and this very clear directive of world domination, 
And what was, what was, what was the interview like with him? So, so forget about getting fired. We know you got fired, but what was the interview sure. like? How did you start there? Well, so the interesting, I never even got, I was one of the early people there. And, you know, I think now they're like 2000 people, but I never got a meme mark. The, the day, uh, I actually put a book out about you know my time at Facebook. You can get it on my, my personal site. And, uh, I didn't actually meet Mark until the day I started. And on the first day I started, uh, literally my boss got fired. So I, and the story was awesome. Like I walk into the office, it's a shithole. It's like a frat house. Uh, it's in Palo Alto, which is really nice. And they're kind of like, Hey, go sit on that desk. And, uh, Oh, here's a laptop and just start working. And I'm like, Oh, okay. What do I work on? <laughs> and, uh, my boss walks by Doug, who's a really good dude and still a, a friend of mine. He's like, Hey, I'll meet with you in an hour. I'm like, all right, cool. So I just kind of play around on the internet. And then uh, Doug walks by uh, about an hour later. And he's like, all right, we'll talk after lunch. And then right then, Mark calls me into a meeting. And this was the first time meeting Mark. So Mark, me, and a few other people uh, go into the small room. And he looks at me. He's very serious. It's quiet. And I'm like, holy shit, this is Mark Zuckerberg. I'm finally meeting the kid. And uh, he's So like, even, yeah, even then, it was like he had the aura of Mark Zuckerberg. There was the, there, there were, it was Mark Zuckerberg in all capital letters. Well, yeah, if you remember Facebook on the bottom of it, it used to say a Mark Zuckerberg production. Huh. That actually was on the, on the bottom of the site, and it's not there anymore. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely some something special with him. Something awkward, for sure. Definitely kind of a geeky dude, but definitely something special. And so he tells me, he's like, I just fired your boss. Uh, welcome to Facebook. And that was, uh, that was the first time I got to meet him. So it was definitely uh, an interesting setting. And he's like, don't fuck with my company, and uh, and you'll be fine here. So I was like, okay, I'm at Facebook. And so that was your first task. Don't fuck with his company. Yeah, the my the, the my boss supposedly was trying to get him to sell it uh, to Yahoo at the time. I think they were offering about a billion dollars. And Mark could have been you know rich many times over, but he was very clear with everyone, and he kind of repeated it to us over and over. Which was and, and this is something I do with you know with AppSumo.com is that you know we have a very clear goal, and that's all we're really trying to accomplish. It wasn't. I think the thing that made him so strong versus MySpace specifically at that time is that he wasn't about the money. MySpace was all about more ads, more page views. At Facebook, we were like, how do we reduce page views? How do we make the experience even better? It was never about the money. It was like, how do we grow this site? And that was the but, only thing that he ever really told us to be doing. But still, what do you think is the psychology of, of going from being essentially a college kid to rejecting a billion-dollar offer from Yahoo? That's <laughs> like really, Even you saying it out loud, I'm like, what a huge balls he had. Um, I, I want to reject it. I want to reject $10 million from Yahoo. You know, especially if you're 24 years old. You know, you'd be set for life. Um, and the girls, you you got to forget. I mean, you got to remember, he would basically be a chick magnet for decades to come. Dude, working at Facebook was a, a free access to girls. I mean, that's what a lot of us, well, that's one of the reasons we loved it. One, we could see their profiles. And two, you're like, hey, I work at a college site, and they're all college girls. It's like, it's a pretty easy uh, easy win. I think with Mark, uh, you know, obviously he's dorky, so he built Facebook to meet girls. I mean, if you want to look at it really straight up, it's like, oh, this is the way I can meet people and I don't have to be super social. Um, for him, I think it was that mission of doing something super, super large and really connecting the world. And I think in the beginning it was kind of a goof. Like, he didn't expect it to be this big, uh, but he took it very seriously and he made it very clear, like, it's never about the money. It's always about, like, I want to connect the world. I guess also, if someone's offering you a billion, you can always go to your venture capitalist. Like he, he can always just call up Peter Thiel and say, "Yo, Peter, I need uh, ten million in my personal bank account. Wire it tonight," and, and that would happen. Well, you know, I, I think also the thing that probably a lot of people didn't see is that we knew internally that we were just taking off. Right? It's like, yeah, we could go to the outside markets and get that validation or get that money, 
But if you saw the graph, curve, you know, the growth curves that we were on, and we weren't touching really outside of the college market, and we're like, well, shit, if we touch the young ones and the old ones and international, I mean, the, the opportunity is huge. And I think the other thing that uh, Mark did, and I actually insulted it early on, and it's something that I now do, which is he was really good at surrounding himself with older people. So I just imagine we're like 24-year-old kids. We raised, I think he raised, I don't do shit. He raised, I think, about 40 or 50 million by that point. You know, he's 24 years old, and I think, for me, I know I used to have a lot more arrogance, but I remember Mark would have this older lady following around, and this, like, little short old lady. I'm like, who the fuck is that old lady? Why do we have so many old people here? And, you know, Mark, at that time, luckily, created investors. He surrounded himself with her, and she was actually an executive coach, and that was the kind of thing that Mark was really good at, and maybe his investors helped him with, about surrounding himself with, like, someone who is a VP from Amazon that knows how to do hiring, someone who's a finance person, someone who can actually coach him on how to be a better leader. I so wonder if that was really a defense mechanism, though, because if he hadn't done that, then he would have gotten too much pressure from his venture capitalist to, to replace himself with a CEO, kind of like the Google guys did. I mean, Mark was very clear about, like, he's in charge. Like, if you look at that, even how he structured the board and all the equity, Sean Parker, that's probably, like, I was unofficially his claim to fame with Facebook is that he helped Mark keep the company because Sean got fucked with Napster. So I think he was really adamant with Mark being the, the person in control. So, 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 what, was, was so what was your first job there? Like, what did you do? Day two, was, what I, were you I doing? Hired, uh, I was hired as a product manager. So it's, it, it, it's actually funny about how different companies handle it, but the main response of a product manager is getting products built to put on the website. My first exact project, it sounds so trivial uh, in retrospect, but it was like getting on our on photo albums on Facebook. It was just after we launched photo tagging, which was massive at the time. And I think it was about 50% of our uh, traffic, which was photo views. It was adding locations to photo albums. So it sounds trivial, but it, like I, I think people don't realize externally like how much thought and effort and, and like intention was put into every single decision uh, about what people use on Facebook. So it was, I worked with one engineer, Nico, and we got on albums like you know you put your location of where it was, and then eventually we added a map onto it, which got subsequently removed. And so, so was this as soon as you put it on? Was it searchable? Like, can I search for all uh, girls living in my neighborhood? Or, or what, not yet? What? We didn't. We weren't as sophisticated as that. Like, now with the, the search graph, you can do stuff like that. I think one of the things that Facebook does well, and, you know, I you know, try to use it on AppSumo.com, and I'd encourage it for anybody running businesses, and Mark was really good about this, is not having ego about the things you've built. So a lot of times we'd build something like that, and we'd add a map. So we added a map feature so you could, for yourself, see your photos on a map, but not a lot of people used it. And so Mark would cut things all the time. And I think I see a lot of businesses that just kind of have things laying around. Like, you go to a restaurant, they have, like, 10 dishes. Two of them never sell and they're shitty, but they just keep them on the menu. I think Mark, if he was running that business, they'd fuck those two items. Let's just focus on the ones that are the best and most used. And so what would he cut? What was an example of product that he cut? Uh, I mean, we cut stuff like that. We used, there's a thing like friend quiz. A lot of stuff that's older. You know, he used to eat. So you used to be able to do quizzes about who your friends were and guests. There used to be like the classes section if you were in college, so you could put which classes you're in to find other people. That stuff is cut. Oh yeah, and there was like a Q and A. There was like a Q and A type of uh, application at one point that is no longer really popular. Exactly. So cut Q and A. I mean, there's just tons of stuff that over time you kind of just forget that it used to be like that. Well, okay. So now so he, you 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 you're there for a while. Uh, you potentially had what would be now be worth a hundred million dollars worth of stock. Uh, how did you get fired? Like, what happened? And and I know I, I no I I just have to tell you like I always hate asking questions that I know you've been asked a million times over like I tried yeah. to ask something new but my audience doesn't know the story and I think it's sure. a really educational story. Yeah, and so it's funny because a lot of people wonder like 
hey, how do you figure out what kind of business to be creating? Because we have a course, monthly1k.com, and that's where we you know, help people start businesses. And what, one thing I realized is that what question I always get asked, number one, is, you know, why do you fire by Facebook? So I actually created a blog post at okdork.com, my personal site, that answered it because I was, like, tired of doing this. So I'm just going to put it on there. Um, okay, and we you know, we can we can leave it at that, but 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 you know, no, 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 I, I, sure we don't have to get stuff. into the details of who fired you or whatever. But what did you learn? What were like the top three things you learned from getting fired? Yeah, so I would say, yeah, so it's even like it's an emotional sense. Um, I, I think at Facebook, I wasn't able to mature with the company, and that sounds fluffy, but I'll tell you the three things why I got fired and kind of what I've learned overall. Um, I got fired one. I leaked information to TechCrunch, so we were launching a professional network. So opening it up for people who had like at Microsoft, at Dell, at company names. And so I told TechCrunch the night before it was launching, like, hey, please write about this in the morning, a very standard practice. And he ended up writing about it that night. And I was actually as a Coachella partying. So it wasn't the best uh, place for me to be doing that. Why and did he write about it at night? Like even though you told him there was an embargo to the morning, which is very standard. Just is. That's just how it went down. And then I told – and it went out that night and I told the executive team and then – Nothing happened right away, but a, you know, a few weeks later, uh, I was like, oh, that was number one. Number two, I think I wasn't able to scale with the business, like my knowledge set. And I think that, that's definitely translated with Absolute.com, where there's people that are going to be good for different phases of the company. So when it was chaotic, it was like, Noah, go build Facebook mobile. All right. Or Noah, I just came up with Facebook status updates. Let's just go do it. That I'm really strong with. I'm strong with the starting part. And I think one of the key lessons is that people kind of either go against the grain or fight what they're naturally good at. And I'm very, very, very good at starting and getting things going and kind of doing. But when you're talking strategy, long-term thing, let me do like a six-month project management sheet with Excel, I zone the fuck out. And I've, I've kind of fought that my, you know, with my professional career, but it's, you know, I have to really embrace, like, I'm good starting. Let me do things that are starting. And I think with Facebook, if they got to 150, fundamentally, we're doing like 30-person meetings that are taking a lot of time. And I come up with an Excel sheet and then a proposal. And I just wasn't good for that. And so they started bringing on people who've already done that at other companies to take them to the next level. And that's how they were able to get to be such a large size. You, you know, um, it's funny, these numbers you mentioned. So so there were 30 employees at Facebook when you started. There were 150 employees when things started to go downhill for you or when you were fired. But these are very these are two very uh, common numbers in evolutionary history. So humans, uh, human tribes maxed out at about 30 because that was the maximum number of people you could essentially know one-on-one. -on -one. And then, then humans maxed out again. So, so we hit this evolutionary stride uh, where we were able to gossip about each other. So even if I didn't know you, I could hear gossip about you. So for instance, Noah, right before our podcast, I was talking to Clay Haybert, a mutual friend of ours, and we were gossiping about you. So that's how I get to know nice. a little about you. So apparently human tribes were able to get up to 150 because they were able to gossip about each other. And then after 150 was another big leap where we couldn't reach that leap until we were able to tell stories about each other. So we all, so if you're in China and I'm here, but we both believe in, let's say, Jesus, we could cooperate with each other. And so that allowed humans to reach millions of people in a tribe uh, and was a big leap in our evolutionary history. So it's interesting for you that 30, you were able to kind of get there at 30 with the tribal level and then hit the, hit the 150 point. But then when it becomes time to telling a, a huge story about what Facebook is and becoming um, sort of a part of that story instead of a major name in that story, uh, that's when things started to fall downhill for you. 
Yeah, man. And James, what I'll do for your listeners only, like I've never, I haven't given this version out. If you take a, I can give away the latest version of my book that shares, you know, step by step of what happened in the story, the drama of Mark. Do you want me to tell you the link and I'll put it up there for your listeners? Yeah, that's great. And we'll share it. Uh, uh, we'll share it in the email that we send out. So we send out an email to uh, half a million people. Awesome. Or so we'll send that out about uh, a link to your, to your newest book. Yeah, so okdork.com, and I'll make it okdork.com slash James, and I'll just put the like, it's free, you don't have to, like, pay anything, just go check that out. Oh, um, that's but it great. Was, you know, it was embarrassing, man. I would say, like, the good thing that people can take away um, is that bad times are going to come, <laughs> like, and it's going to happen, and I'm glad it happened. It helped me really examine myself, and I think I was trying to be a little bit too showy, and, like, I wanted the Noah story, you know, it was all about Noah, and uh, and I think one of, and a lot of people are like, I want to be a brand. This is probably the third thing that I learned was, I want to be a brand. I want Noah Kagan to be a, you know, a cool blog, and everyone knows me. And Facebook was Mark's story. But, and then what it fundamentally taught me around that part was that the best way to get known, the best way to get attention, the best way for people to want to meet you and hang out with you is not to just try to be known. It's to actually do things that people want to know and want to value. So like with AppSumo, I've been very hesitant to put myself out there. And it's always been about how do we promote great products. And then so, so, like, well, I wonder who made AppSumo. And that's actually where I've been able to get some attention to myself. Uh, from actually just doing things and creating things. So, so I want to I want to talk about AppSumo, but but first I want to sure. I want to just ask. So you left by getting fired. It would have been you had stock that obviously was vesting that would have been uh, worth about a hundred million dollars now. But you were there for a year. So were you able to vest any shares at all? No, it was a one year. I had point one percent of the company when I joined, and I was there nine months. So kind of like a pregnancy. Um, and you could, and yeah, I got like about nine months. So, and it was actually common. I think a fair amount of people I know personally were let go sometime before their uh, their cliff period or vesting period. Where if people don't know, it's generally after your first year. You don't get any stock until your first year, and then you get your your shares or your at least quarter of your shares. Hmm. Okay, so that's painful. Um. Yeah. It was were, very were you up, were you upset depressing. on IPO day? Um. I hated Facebook for many years, and I still have some resentment. Where I'd love to see part of it. Like I do use them, and we advertise on them, and. Uh, they actually fucked me again. Hard time. I lost about I don't know, ten million dollars the second time they fucked me. Um, How's that? But yeah, the IPO pissed, the IPO pissed me off. Seeing all like guys now driving R8s. One of them's opening a hotel, mansions, uh, the works. But there's something there, and you know, there's something there where like I've seen some of these guys retire already, and uh, it, they actually seem a little lost because a lot of people, especially now, I help people start businesses with our monthly 1K.com program. A lot of people want this certain lifestyle. They want all this money, and they finally get there. And they're still not happy. And I can't say that maybe I had a lot more money in my life would be that much different. But I think a lot of people just need to focus on what do they really want? What do you really want and how do you get that? And not necessarily just the money aspect. So it's, 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 it's hard. I'm not going to bullshit. you like, oh, yeah, namaste. I love life. I do enjoy my life. But uh, I'm not as mad or pissed off over the past few years because I've had a lot of good experiences that I wouldn't have gotten if I was there. How did they screw you out of another $10 million? It was probably more than that. Uh, we were doing – so I started – I never used Facebook for a year. I worked at Mint.com. I was number four. And at night, I started creating Facebook apps. And that was the first after a year I started making uh, – using Facebook in. And then that app business turned into payments for Facebooking. So we were doing payments for Zynga and Tag and Playdom and all the big companies, like every single one we worked with. And our run rate at that time was somewhere between 30 and $40 million. So it was me and like three dudes. So we, it, was, it was a pretty good time. And our margins on that were about 10%. So uh, Facebook, you can go and look at TechCrunch. It was called the company is called Gambit, and so Facebook chose us out of all the companies to ban from being on Facebook. 
So it's, I don't know if that's coincidental that it was me as a part of it or that they just chose us, but everybody was, you know, doing payments and we were the ones that got banned. So it's, uh, another time Mark, Mark got me back. Um, so, so did that, as, did that put a knife in the company or what happened? Uh, so that company, we went from, I'll tell you the numbers. We were doing about $150,000 a day in revenue. Uh, and then once we got banned, we lost 90% of that. So it took us down to about twelve to $15,000 a day. Oh. Uh, fuck. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. Um, and was, it's like, you know, it's funny when people complain about that. They're like, oh, I'm so rich. Now I'm less rich. It's like, shut the fuck up. Um, but the company actually, they're like, they're like a parasite. Like, so they, we have, that company evolved to doing sort of payments for Facebook games. They did like video ads. And then now I think they're struggling. Uh, but some lawyers in LA want us to start. I think they're doing a lawsuit against Facebook for the ban. But I'm not really counting on that. Uh, the fundamental thing I learned around that thing, I didn't really ever want to make Facebook games. I hated all the Facebook people, like everyone playing the games. And then I hated doing Facebook payments. Like I didn't really want to be kissing people's ass all day to use our pro- credit card processing to save them half a percent. And it was really a valuable lesson that I really want to be doing the work that, that I want to do, not just an opportunity. And I see that happen so commonly that people are like, oh, I can make money. And it'll be so easy. And it's never as easy as it seems. And when it's something that's an opportunity, it's much easier to quit. And so it kind of was a really valuable lesson. And I moved forward. I'm like, I'm only going to work on things that are fun for me. I'm only going to work on things I really want to see in the world. And so I've tried to really stick with that uh, subsequently from that experience. Okay, so let's let's now get into AppSumo. This is your current company. And what I like about AppSumo is it's, it, it's, it's a business that helps other people build their businesses. And a big theme of this podcast and a lot of my work is how to – how people can reinvent themselves in this economy and find and choose themselves, find their own kind of source of, of wealth, both inside and outside. And, and I, I think AppSumo is a great uh, uh, site where people can, can do this. So, so w- what's the evolution of AppSumo? How can people use it? What are some of the things there? And then I'll ask you questions along the way. I'm going to interrupt you everywhere. Sure. Interrupt away, man. I mean, it's been actually a really fascinating story. So it started out... I have a big mouth and I love telling people about things I love. And that's what I, you know, we, and I'll tell you, we actually ended up creating a course showing how to start a business, but that's, that's part of the evolution. And one of the things I was encouraging people to do is like, well, what do you really enjoy doing? What have you enjoyed doing? What has other people recognized doing? Like, yeah, people well, always. What if like people your- haven't enjoyed doing something? What if they don't know because they've been so busy paying the bills or getting a college education or whatever? I mean, one of the easiest ways that I've found is asking the people that know you well. And I guarantee if you ask your wife, you ask your parents, Hey, what things have I done that you really liked? Or what kind of business can you see me starting? And if you can't do it for yourself, I think they'll be actually very obvious. Like, oh, you always do this really well. Like, I'm really good at bringing people together and marketing products I love. That, and my that's mom really great uh, advice. Yeah, so I would do that. I'd ask the people close to you. Or secondly, this is something I was talking about with a friend this morning. I'll, two, I'll do two bonus ones. One, I think diarying, <laughs> diary, that sounds like diarrhea. I think writing down or diarying um, about your journaling is a safe way to say it. Journaling, yes, uh, is a really powerful thing. Like self awareness, I think is one of the most powerful tools that's underutilized. And I do, I do a lot of writing just personally. And then sec- secondly, and this is a little more taboo. And it's funny, I still find it insulting or embarrassing. Maybe is a better word. Is I go to therapy. Uh, my buddy, our buddy, mutual friend Tucker Max, is the one who actually was like, "Dude, you definitely need therapy." And it's funny because <laughs> I say that a lot. It sounds like weakness. It sounds like, oh, well, he needs help. And there's something wrong. And I've just found therapy to be the one of the most powerful tools uh, that I've been in, investing in myself and in, or choosing myself. And 
And when I go to therapy, it actually is just all about me. And I find that I've learned so much more. It helps me in my business life, in my relationships, and in my personal life. And so, you find that's because uh, they ask, do they see things in you? Or do they ask you to ask the right questions about yourself? Like, what, what is it about therapy that you think really helps you? And, and by the way, I agree with you. But I'm, I'm just curious for you what, what, where it's helped you. Well, I'll give you a specific example. So it's all, I've gone to different therapists. I've gone to one in different times in my life. After Facebook, I went to a business coach, and I really just wanted them to tell me what to do. I felt really lost. I felt really depressed. I felt really embarrassed. And I was like, just tell me things I could be doing. Um, and I found that good, but it was kind of short-term because unless you start deciding for yourself and choosing yourself, you're really not going to stick with it, and you're not going to really learn and grow. So the, the person I go to now, it's all about him just listening and asking me the questions so that I can explore. And a specific example uh, is that I'm noticing myself doing things for others that don't really make me happy. So I'll give you two, two stories. One, one of them was I was supposed to go to Bali in June for a workation. And it's one of my closest friends. And what I noticed myself doing, James, was that I was, instead of for Bali, I was starting to add trips to Thailand after Bali. And I was doing it because I was like, oh, well, Bali's going to be okay, but maybe I can make the whole experience fun if I go to Thailand. And so I was like talking about it, and he's like, well, do you really want to go to Bali? And I could be honest with myself. And I was like, no, I do not. I don't want to travel that long. I don't really want to work from there. And it's not, I know, yes, it's Bali. That's great for some people. I just don't want to go. I really like being at home and office. And only through talking about it and thinking about it, I was like, what do I really want? Staying home. I don't really want to go. And so I told my friend, I was like, hey, you know, I, I love you, and I'm always down to support you, and that's why I wanted to go. But if you're not going to be doing this event in Bali, like, I'm not going to go. And, uh, and that was really powerful. You know, I was like, holy shit, I'm choosing myself. I'm choosing to do what I really want to do. Uh, and so, you know, I, I can do another story another time, but that, that's, that was kind of like one of the main principles that I'm learning about exploring my preferences and then acting on them for myself. And so that was one of the most recent things that I went down through, just talking out loud with a, with a therapist. So, so, okay, so AppSumo. How to, tell us yeah. about the evolution of that, how you got started, what it is. What is AppSumo? So AppSumo, this is funny because we've evolved a lot, and we actually got sidetracked. I got very greedy, and I think I took AppSumo off, the, off its path. But the original premise of AppSumo has always been promote cool stuff. That, that's fundamentally what we're about. We want to promote the coolest stuff, and a lot of it's targeted towards entrepreneurs and startups. Well, and so okay, so, I was, so what's an example of coolest thing? So, I mean, cool-ass tools that we find that are like shareasimage.com. A lot of your listeners probably haven't heard of it, maybe have never even used it, but it's a really simple tool just to make take images and put cool text on them and share it. And it's really small and simple, but it's just like awesome, and I use it a lot. Or a tool, we actually just launched this today. It's brand new. It's one, we only launched it to a small audience called kingsumo.com. And what it does, James, is like when you write a blog post, like on your blog, you have to figure out the title that's catchy, and you write really great titles. But sometimes you don't know which title to use. And so what we built for ourselves was a title testing tool. So you can put in four titles, and it'll, it'll figure out, it'll automatically figure out which one will get you the most traffic. And so that's something that we used ourselves, and we're like, shit, this is really cool. And so this morning, we released it on kingsumo.com, which is a title testing tool. And so those are the kind of products that we get excited to go and let people know about. So we've done that. We've promoted LinkedIn. We've promoted MailChimp. Basically, in the beginning of AppSumo, it was just like, what are the coolest tools that I want for myself, and then maybe I can get a good deal on them. And that's kind of what I, how I started the business. Okay, like, so like, right, let's I say I had developed a, a, a software tool that you thought was really great and would help be helpful to people. You would negotiate with me a deal, and then you would offer that deal on your email list and take a cut. Exactly. Very much like the Groupon model. 
Okay, and and the difference between this and the Grupo model is there's no shipping cost. There's no there's no there's no cost to making the product. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Groupon, so originally we actually copied MacHeist and Woot.com. So it was, it, and the evolution, I think what people miss sometimes, James, is that they look for like just a tactic in the answer, but if they don't understand the why, that's where they're missing out on the growth and things they can really learn for themselves. So we actually started out like uh, Woot and MacHeist where we did bundles of software. So I'd get five tools like Evernote and a few other tools around productivity. And Evernote, Remember the Milk, my favorite productivity, uh, to-do list app, and I'd bundle them and I'd sell it for 50 bucks. And, and Evernote would agree, happen. like you'd get everybody to agree in the middle. Exactly. And well, the problem with that, though, is it would take me three to four months to get it together. I would promote it, and, you know, I'd make maybe 5000 bucks after three months. And what was interesting was that someone actually said, well, why don't you just sell one at a time? And it wasn't obvious at that. But I was like, oh, I'll do bundles because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But I think what people need to be looking for, I call it anomalies of success. And what it is is, like, what's the part that's actually working? So if you look at Twitter it's taking Facebook status and making it the whole thing. And so we took these bundles and we're like, oh, the bundles are good, but one, they take too long. People were only buying on the first day and then the last day. And so it's like, all right, well, if they're being the first and last day, why don't we just shorten the bundle times? Okay, so now deals are one to three days. Okay, that's solved. All right, bundles are taking too long to get five deals. Well, why don't we just do one deal at a time? Oh, okay. And so it's looking at what's actually working. So people like the product. People want to buy, but they don't want to buy all of them. Because it's like you're paying $50 for 5000 in value. It was just too much for people to actually grasp the value. So we said one at a time, and we're only going to do them for a few days. And that's actually how we moved to more of an individual promotion model. And, and uh, this is a product. great example where data is key. Like you really have to spend nonstop you know, time you know, analyzing all the data of your business and, and not neglect anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd actually caution people with that. Because I used to get, you always hear, oh, A-B testing. And I think people A-B test when they're uncertain of stuff. Um, and I used to A-B test and collect every data point. And what I found is I didn't do shit. So with AppSumo.com and our new product, SumoMe.com, which is a free marketing tool, we only care about one data point. And that's what we did at Facebook, too, which is what is the number one data point that matters for the business? What's the number one objective? Or my personal site, OKDork.com. So I'll tell you our numbers. So for OKDork.com, I want to get 50,000 email subscribers. That's all I care about. So anything that helps me get more email subscribers, I do. Anything that does not, I don't do. For we have uh, for AppSumo.com, our first major milestone was half a million emails. So all we cared about was getting half a million email addresses. We didn't care about money. We didn't care about anything. So then we focused on it, and we were able to get it. Um, for last year, we put out a course, monthly1k.com. Our only number one goal was to get 3,333 customers. And that's all we focused on, and that's our whole dashboard. Our whole dashboard is literally that number. And how are we doing that every day against that number? And our new product, SumoMe.com, the free marketing tool, we're trying to get to reach a billion people. So we have a dashboard that just shows that number and how we're doing each day against that number. A billion people. Uh, and it's well, a billion people. Well, and so and what, what's the name of that product? Sumome.com. S-U-M-O-M-E.com. Yeah, and so specifically with the bundle part, so you're asking how do we do it. So my friend Andrew Chen, who has got an awesome blog at andrewchen.co, it's all about viral marketing and startups. He made an Excel sheet and it literally showed two columns. It said, Noah, here's your column doing bundles, and here's your column doing individual promotions. And we just looked at the math. And, I was, and I, that's what I encourage everyone. If you're starting a business, just take Google spreadsheets, do a few minutes. Don't get obsessed with it and research for years. Put a spreadsheet up together and see what the math looks like. And it was, it was so obvious when he finally showed me the numbers of how the, mar- uh, the math looks if I do a single deal you know, twice a week versus a promotion every month, uh, a bundled promotion. And, and what the results look like? 
I mean, it was night and day. I mean, that's significant. That, that, you know, I think every business has milestone shifts or like trajectory shifts. And so when we went from bundles to individual deals, that shifted it significantly. Um, and I think we went, my first year, I think we did about 700,000. And then the second year, I think we did somewhere like 2 million, 2 to 3 million. And then last year, or no, I think we did 5 million our second year. Last year, we did 3 million. And I don't know what we'll do this year. It's not to brag about our numbers, just to show you that like, when we went from bundles to single deals, it took off. And then when we started doing advertising was our second major uh, takeoff. Okay, so uh, let me ask you some questions. So, like, let's say you did $3 million. That You're talking about gross revenues, including what you mm-hmm. share with the product owner, or is this your net revenues, what you revenue. take? That's total revenue, gross. Okay, and then what's your, what's your percentage that you usually take with the software developer or whoever developed the tool that you're, that you're uh, doing the, your daily deal on? Uh, it, it varies. It's somewhere between 30 and 70%. So it kind of matters how their size, um, how much we really want them or not. Um, you know, like, I can't certain certain numbers, but like Audible is a huge one. We want to work with their brand. Other companies are small, so, and there's no cost for them. That's the beauty of our model versus Groupon. That's why Groupon only sells, like, spas and manicures and waxing now. Because, like, if you're a really great restaurant, you don't need them. But if you're a really great digital product, you can always use more customers. Uh, especially our customers are really good. People like them. So it's like there's no cost to promoting more of your product at any cut. It's always a win. And we don't charge it. It's, it uh, seems so like it seems like you could do uh, like almost like book sumo because there's so many you know there's like 10 million ebooks published this year. Uh, people probably would love to use it for book marketing. I think someone should do that. I mean, I'm really we're really focused on sumo me um, this year. But the, I want to do book sumo. Go for it. <laughs> um, so 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 it seems like it seems like your product uh there's almost like a story and a meta story. So the story is you're helping people build businesses because you're you're offering these deals on products that are going to help people improve their businesses. But there's this meta story exactly. which is how you built AppSumo which in and, in and of itself is a story of how to build a good successful business. Yeah, and we've actually sold that. <laughs> Funny enough, it's like I think someone said it and some of the best Products are byproducts. So, like this new kingsumo.com is a perfect example. We so the, let me do the evolution. And I'll tie it all together. So, after year two, we started making money. I hired. We got up to about twenty people. It was me for a year, and I think year two, two and a half, we got up to like twenty. And I was very egotistical. And I, you know, I'm in New York now. You know, being in New York, you're like, how much money are you making? And where's your apartment? And you know, oh my God, you you pay for a doctor to come to your house and all this shit. And I think I got really caught up with that. I was dating a girl. Um, who, you know, super hot, you know, I wanted this ego and I kind of had a breakdown about it. I had a little breakdown where I was like, is this really what I want? Um, and the business kind of stopped working because we started promoting anything. We didn't give a shit. It was like, if it made me money, I would promote it. And, uh, you know, I joked around with my partner. I said, Hey Chad, I really don't like this business. I don't like a lot of these employees. And I really just want to go back to what we did in the beginning, which was have fun and promote cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I kind of I grew this big beard because I wasn't feeling manly about myself or significant. And uh, ironically, why why, we why weren't you feeling that. manly enough? Um, I'll share it with your audience. I've never actually shared it publicly. I I had lower testosterone, and I think uh, a lot of people have it, but they don't admit it. And I thought something was wrong with me. Well, what does that so mean? Like, how doctor. did you know you had? Like, did, did a doctor tell you? Like, how did you suspect that you had yeah, lower got... testosterone? I just wasn't feeling like myself. I wasn't feeling horny. I wasn't feeling excited. I'm a very, like, I used to be very aggressive and very, like, oh, let's go work. Let's go get shit done. And I was just feeling mellow and kind of, like, uh, apathetic to a lot of things. 
And it's funny because my business is at, the, at its peak. It's my business at its peak for everyone else. My business was like to tell it to brag to the people that, you know, want, oh, you have a X million dollar business. I didn't really want it though. I was happy with what we used to be doing. I was very content. I was very fulfilled. But I just felt off in general. And what I realized is like everything was connected. So I'm running a business I didn't like. I'm dating a person that wasn't really serving me. And I wasn't really feeling good about myself. Um, and so I ended up actually firing everyone. We went back to the basics. Uh, and it was a long process. It was a good year of kind of struggle. It was like being alone by myself. I broke up with the girl. I was alone. Um, I went to India by myself. I walked around for a month. We fired everyone in the company and went back to just, I think we have, we went back to six people of just the people that were really wanted to be there. We stopped promoting everyday shitty products. And, uh, yeah, well, what, what's an example of a product that you stopped promoting? Just so I, I get a sense of what, what's good and what's bad. Well, yeah, let me give you, we still even do it now. I mean, we spend about 72 hours per email that we write. And it seems that people just read the email like, oh, okay, whatever, delete or read or unsubscribe or buy. But we spend a lot of intention. So two products specifically, one was actually last week. We were just about to send the email out, and I started looking through the product because Anton, who's awesome, he's our biz dev sumo, he was, he was like, it's good. But I was looking through it, and it was about... I don't, I don't want to call the guy out, but it was about a certain thing. So let's just say it's about marketing. It's about, let's just say it's YouTube marketing. I'm just being hypothetical because I don't want to be rude to the person. And I was looking through the book and I'm like, I haven't learned shit about YouTube marketing or even seen a YouTube video or image halfway through this book. I'm like, there's no fucking way it's going out on to our, to our audience, to our sumo links, as we like to call them. And so literally the night before, we said, all right, we're going to sacrifice revenue and profit. Unfortunately, we're a little bit of a smaller team. We don't have to worry as much about making our $300,000 a month overhead like I used to. Uh, and we're bootstrapped. So it's like we don't have the, the liberty of a funded company. So, yeah, and I was like, we're not going to email this out tomorrow. And a year ago, there was one about mobile, how to build a mobile app. And it honestly looked like some info marketing spammy shit. And I even knew the guy who made it. And I was like, we're not putting this out. And he was pissed. And I was like, that's just too fucking bad. And Ramit, actually, a friend of, you know, Ramit from I Will Teach Me Rich. Sure. Ramit uh, kind of joked with me a, a year and a half ago, and I think he kind of remembers it. He was in passing. He's like, yeah, you know, I've seen what reminds me of Ross. And I was like, what Ross? He's like, yeah, you guys have, like, a lot of shit, and then once in a while there's something kind of good in the bottom of a basement. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bottom of the bin. And I was like, you fucking... And, and what it really made me realize is that your business is a reflection of you. So and you felt like you were really too powerful. eager to just get any product out there that you could. That you, you were kind of, like, deal greedy. Oh, I told, I mean, we did price optimization of every single product. We built, ran A-B test galore. Uh, and, I, you know, when Ramit said that in passing to me, I really felt, I felt embarrassed. And I was like, I don't want to be thought of as Ross, myself. Because that's what your business is. Someone said it once really well. Your business is you want a projector on a big screen in real life. That's what your business is. And I was like, you know, I, I think of myself pretty well. But I felt, you know, maybe I think I felt a little lost with everything going on and the business just kind of taking off. And I think what people have to do and what I, what I do now is just try to stay true to myself and like, what do I really want the business to be? Do I need to have a business that makes me enough money so I can try to show off in New York or so I can keep up with Tucker's wine collection? And no, I don't. You know, Tucker I'm has a wine collection? Nah, Tucker's a wine snob. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to get into that. But like, I'm happy with Yellowtail. You know, there's certain things, yeah, I like paying for, for certain things. And I think people need to get more comfortable paying for things, but... I don't, there's certain things that I was just happy not having to brag or show off about and just really living the life I want. And it was tough. I felt lost for a long time. And there's something I still, and I'd be curious your opinion, James. I think there's two ways of figuring out when you don't know what you want. Because that's a very common thing I've seen. 
if you don't know what you want, what do you do? And so I, and I really love your take. The two, I think the two ways I've noticed it going about it are A, just start doing things because momentum will start, build momentum and you'll figure something out. Or B, don't do shit and just really don't distract yourself or do drugs or drinking or partying or people and take the time to think about stuff. And, and I don't know, and, I haven't just to right add, I err more on the side of B, which is always take a step back and just check the box. Make sure you're physically healthy, emotionally healthy. You know, there's that saying, you're the average of the five people you spend your time with. So make sure they're all good people and they're people who you love and who love you. Make sure you're coming up with ideas and you're creative. So it doesn't matter if it's about your business or not. Just make sure your creativity muscles are going and make sure you practice uh, gratitude so that you feel abundant in life no matter what you have in life. And from that foundation, that's when you start to realize what direction you, you start to be more in touch with your gut where that tells you this is right and this is wrong. And I feel that, man. I mean, one of the things I did with uh, my buddy Adam from mybodytutor.com was I did a thing called Gebby, and people seem to really love it. And I don't do it anymore, but I needed it all last year, and I did it every morning. And Gebby is gratitude, exercise, breakfast, and you. And so every morning, I would, as much as I hated it, I would email him every morning, what's the three things I'm grateful for? And my favorite one, is still to this day, was hot water. I love the idea. You just throw this faucet, and it's fucking hot. And I remember one day, I was just like feeling my hands into the water, and I'm so happy about that. Um, exercise, or eating, right? Uh, sorry, eat is exercise. So what's one thing to get your blood flowing? And this is so true. If you ever go to the gym or walk or do any form of physical fitness, anything, you always feel better afterwards. So I was like, what one thing am I going to do? Breakfast? I love breakfast. So what am I going to eat to get my morning going? And then you, what's the one thing that you're doing for yourself today? And it could be anything. It's your choice. Movie, book, sex, drugs. I don't care. But it was, it was prioritizing that. I, I love that because I, I have one friend who wrote a book called, uh, her name's Cheryl Richardson. She wrote a book called The Art of Extreme Self-Care. And a lot of the times when you're in a mode where you're just not feeling yourself, the thing that you're missing is taking care of yourself. You're trying to take care of everybody else, or in your case, you were trying to take care of a business that was growing very fast, but you weren't taking care of yourself. Totally. So, so, what, what, totally. what, so Gebby stands for gratitude. What's the E? Gratitude, exercise, breakfast, and you. I and I that. just email this Adam every morning. Yeah, steal away. Um, stealing is caring. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did that. I mean, the business, you know, we cut it from like 100000 300000 a month in overhead down to like 50000 Um, We focused just on creating, you know, just on promoting good products. And this is one of the things, I, you know, for your readers, and I said earlier, is like what is it's called the anomalies of success. I was like, well, and what am I dependent on? So what, is it, what do things have worked? And what things am I dependent on for AppSumo? So what worked is people kept asking, what's worked is things starting a business. Everyone kept buying products related to starting a business. And Wait, say that again. Everybody, uh, everybody kept buying products. Well, we, looked at, we just looked at what things have really sold well on AppSumo. And it was starting a business. Everyone said, how do I start a business? How do I start a business? And the second thing, is, and I, I called it my death list. Your death list with your business is what are the things you're dependent on? Like, this was the funniest thing, dude. We were, not ever, but we were running the Facebook payments company, and we had a death list. And it was, like, all the things that could that could kill our business. It was, like, the servers could go down. Our marketing could go down. All these things could go down. And then you go and fix those things, right? And then you create a new death list. And with our Facebook games business, we forgot to put that. We get banned by Facebook. That was the one we uh, we missed from the list. Uh, so we ended up, that it did die uh, to some sort. And so with AppSumo, it's like we're too dependent on other people's products. We couldn't find enough good products. That was the number one problem with our business. We were, it was very hit-driven. 
And so last year, we spent the whole year just doing one thing, which is creating a course, solving the number one problem we kept getting asked, which is, you know, how do I start a business? How do I create an AppSumo? How do I have freedom? And so, and although you're doing this for a whole year, how are you making money in the meantime? So the course we did sell, right? So two things. One, uh, the course is monthly1k.com, and we started selling it, but we took about four or five months. Uh, how do we make money? We still were promoting products on Sumo, but we had a lot less overhead, so I didn't have to make as much money uh, to cover our costs, to break even each month, which is what and I was what, targeting. Did, I was just trying to did, break even. Did you raise money at any point, or were you totally bootstrapping? I know you raised money uh, from my, your mom, $20, and she became <laughs> a majority owner of the company, but yeah, did you raise money from anybody else? My buddy Andrew, who I mentioned earlier, gave us 100000 uh, very early on, which I still haven't used. Hmm. So that's the only money that we've had in, but everything else is just, and we haven't used it, so uh, yeah, it's been pretty natural, organic growth from the beginning. So that's great. That's, so you've been essentially profitable from the beginning. But at, at, at a certain point, though, you drove, did you drive your profits down when you, when you, cut, when you fired everybody and, and cut all your costs? Because I assume you were selling less, so did, did profits go up or down? Surprisingly so. And I, I don't want to just talk about profit. I'm happy to share it, but it's like I don't want people to think, oh, that's all we're about. It's just an easy indicator that people can, can know. Um, but because we had less costs and because we had less people, we did less things, but the less things we did were better. Right? So instead of having three people doing advertising, spending like, I don't know, 200000 a month or 150000 a month, it was just me doing ads. And I spent 50000 a month. There. So now I think we're doing around 30000 a month. And instead of having all these products we're promoting and having to have three support people, we promote less products. So we only need one support person. And it was just actually funny that, that the less we did, the more we made and the better it was. And it's one of the things you kind of have to experience it to really understand it. But uh, actually, you know who taught this to me is a guy who used to be a McDonald's manager. <laughs> I was in uh, and I've written about the story, but I met this guy in New Zealand who used to manage McDonald's. And he's like, yeah, I basically just look at our menu and I remove the things that aren't working. And I just keep doing that on a monthly basis. I look at my revenue numbers, and I see what doesn't sell, and I remove it. And I, even in my restaurants, I change the tables, and I say, all right, if there's more tables, do I make more money each month or not? And he just does it on a monthly basis of evaluating his business. So with AppSumo, you know, we, wanted, we promoted less products, and then we created our own products so that we weren't so dependent each month. And now it's, it actually helps us cover our costs, is the course. So it, it um, seems like the real valuable asset is not only your ability to find good products to sell, but also your email list. So somehow you developed an email list of huge, people who are ready, willing, and able to buy the products you're offering them. Yeah, and I think it's building a relationship and trust with that email list. I remember in the beginning I was shocked. I'm like, holy shit, I send out this email and these people give me money. And I actually felt nervous. I was like, wow, that's a lot of responsibility. And then it made me take it more seriously. And I, you know, I, I asked Anton one day, I was like, why do we spend so much time on emails? And it's because it's we care. It's a reflection of us. When we put ourselves out there, we're saying, like, this is something we believe in. And so, so how do you build, you know, how do you build that well. quality email list? Um, so our email list is about three-fourths of a million people. Uh, it takes time. Here's one of the things that I've been noticing, James, is that so the course, was it sucked. I'll tell you, for that all last year, it sucked working on it. Uh, and I'm happy to get into details because I think it's interesting for the audience. But uh, what most people need to do is build something or have an email list of what people really want to hear from. Because a lot of people are like, why? Who? no one wants more emails. But then you have to ask yourself, whose emails do you always open? Whose emails do you always read? Like, I'm sure your wife's emails, you probably prioritize, right? And so with an email list, you have to think about who is my reader and why would they be excited to be getting, like looking forward to the email that I'm about to send. 
Uh, and so, Simo, I mean, I, I can share some of the tactics. You think that'd be helpful for your audience? Yes. Um, so some of the tactics, this is the, the stupidest one, but you have to be mildly aggressive in asking for an email. A lot of people want to grow a mailing list, and they don't have anything. So SumoMe is a free tool we use uh, to grow our email list, but you have to put up. I, I totally like get that. Like, I am afraid. So I have a, a popular blog. A lot of people have visited my blog, but I get afraid to ask people for their email, even though I know it's very valuable to build an email list. Why are you then? I don't know. I feel like I want to give, and there's something about about it that I'm afraid to ask for something in return. But you're giving. I mean, don't you think? I mean, you could also say that if you get their email address, it's easier for you to share the things you want to give with them. Yeah, and that's what I ultimately ended up doing. So I have it on the right hand side. I, 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 but it took years to to get to that point where okay, I'm gonna. People kept begging me, like people like Ramit, who you mentioned. You've got to build your email list. And uh, finally, I started doing it, and, and it's great. I send a lot more emails out now than I publish posts on my blog. So there is value there. But uh, it took me a long time to to ask for anything, to ask for any help at all. You know, I sell my last book for 99 cents. You would think it wouldn't be so hard to ask somebody to pay 99 cents for a book after I've been giving this value, but it's hard for me to ask that. I, I don't know why. I mean, what would you know that, you know, in our course, that's been the number one thing. So we have a, the number one thing is fear and, and as well, asking for things, right? Because all business is, is you're asking for money in exchange for a service. That, that's what business is. I guess I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm afraid people actually, will think I'm like selling out in some way. Why do you think that is? Or why does that, why would that bother you? Uh, you know, I don't know because also other people have given me advice. You know, the, the standard advice I've gotten is your free audience will kill you. Like the people who want to just consume everything for free but don't want to give anything back, these aren't your ideal readers anyway. Although I'm not so sure that that's true, but, you know, in general that's been probably true. I guess the question is your intention. Like, it, it seems like your blog is not for you to make a lot of money. Like, why do you do it? I just love doing it. I love writing. But I do, I do think having that personal interaction with an email list is valuable too. I, I, I find that my interactions with the people on my email list are a lot stronger. Yeah, I mean, we didn't ask for emails for a long time, and I'll tell you, for the first maybe six months of AppSumo, once I started asking for emails, I didn't even send them because I didn't. I felt, oh, I'm gonna bother their inbox. I'm gonna annoy them. And what I realized when I started sending them is that people wanted more. They're like, when's the next one coming out? And if I didn't send, they would ask, like, hey, how come you haven't sent anything for a while? I guess so, so, so people were just finding you, finding your products through your site? Well, yeah, and I, the way I think of it, like, we got, you know, featured on Lifehacker, or if it's a good, you know, the, the best way that we've grown the mailing list, uh, there's a few tactics, and I'll share them. But the, the number one is we promoted great products. And when we've promoted, like, Share's Image, or this is a random one, most of your listeners have never heard of it, it's called Scrivener, Scrivener. And it's a Mac journaling tool, and, and it's for Windows as well. I've never heard of it, but it, we put it out there, and it went viral. I mean, people were obsessed with how good of a product, and that's how it grew. And they were like, shit, this is awesome. I want to share it with everyone. Um, and I, I guess what I was curious, though, coming back to it, James, is like, what would you tell yourself in the beginning? Like, you know, you said you were afraid, or you didn't want to ask for it, and then you did it, and it was good. But a lot of people still are afraid. And I'll, I want to talk a little bit about fear in a second, but what, would you, what advice would you have given yourself? Just like, it's just going to take some time to get there, or try it small, or, or what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself what I know now, which is that, look, this is a way for you to provide even better value to your readers. You're all about providing value, and I respect that, younger James. So here's a way for you to provide better value. You're not going to put every post on your blog because that would be too – not everybody wants to see a blog post every day on the blog. 
but some people do want more emails and more interactions with you, and this is a way for them to build closer interactions and get more value from you. So uh, build your email list that way. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll add a little bit to that. I think that's awesome. It's funny because, like, tell yourself, one thing that I've noticed with people starting businesses is that they're like, oh, I don't want to bother people. I'm afraid, all these things. We have a thing called strangerchallenge.com or the coffee challenge. And coffee challenge is one of my favorite things that we've come up with where you have to ask for 10% off at a coffee store, any coffee store. You don't need to drink coffee. Get a muffin and ask for 10% off. And it well, really well, makes you – uh, uh, go, go ahead. I think you're about to answer my question. I mean, the coffee challenge is money. And it's one of these things I can tell you what happened. But until you do it yourself, and most people will, will make an excuse. Oh, I'm, I've already done sales for five years. Oh, I'm not afraid of doing that. Oh, why, I don't need a discount. I already have money. But if you just go and ask for 10% off coffee, I guarantee you, and I would challenge you to do it, James, that you will learn something about yourself that will surprise you. And so let me ask you a question. So I go into a Starbucks. They have, like, a set menu. How are they going to mm-hmm. – like, their employees probably aren't allowed to give me 10% mm-hmm. off. So you're already saying no ahead of time. Yes, that's right. I'm so giving you an good. excuse. You already are. Exactly. And it, it, you're not alone. And that was actually one of the number one things holding people back from their – and this is shocking, man. Like, when I, when I was starting the course and we've been building it for a year – I just was showing people how we built a business. I've shown them how I built them, and I've shown you that, and I've talked about things that didn't work for me. I've done businesses, and I've spent hundreds of thousands that didn't work. And I was just showing people that. But then people still were afraid. And I was like, holy shit, I have to teach you fear? I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid of things, too. And then so we, that's how we added the coffee challenge. And okay, what, what's another challenge, years. too? Coffee challenge and what else? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a few. So get the, we have a totally free. There's no upsells or cross-sells or diagonals. So it's called Failure Games, and it's a daily challenge Um it's iPhone and Android, so failure games. And so we give daily challenges there, like go high-five a random stranger. Or there's one that's called strangerchallenge.com, which is um, you go and like have to meet someone new and take a photo with them. Or one I came up with this weekend, I really like this one. Next time you're flying, I know you fly a little bit, but next time you are flying or you have a ticket for an event, sit in the wrong seat. Sit in a better seat. And I did it this weekend, and it's definitely uncomfortable. And the point is not to be an ass. The point is not to be rude. The point is to challenge yourself from following the norm, being a little uncomfortable and growing. And that's what happens in these instances because you're like, if you're doing what, what everybody else is doing, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get what you want, right? You, how do you win when you're doing the same thing as everybody else? But I found when you push yourself, get a little uncomfortable, a little discomfort, that's the moment you start growing. That's the moment you start learning. So I, I was at this competition, uh, bodybuilding competition. I was just observing it. And I was like, I'm just going to sit in the seat I want. And just as an experiment, and you could do it on your airplane, you could do it on an airplane just as well. And then someone's going to be like, you're in my seat, and you're like, oh, really? Okay, and you move. And life goes on. But you actually find out it's not as bad as it seems, and that's really what happens with the coffee challenge. And it's the same thing with business. It's like, hey, give me your email address. Hey, do you think you could buy this? And you find out, hey, I'm still alive. And guess what? Today, like we promoted the kingsuma.com product, and not a lot of people bought. And that, that, that does suck, right? But when you, when you have it, it actually happened. Then you can learn from it. Now we can go learn and, and go fix why people didn't buy it. But a lot of people just make the assumptions and psych themselves out before they ever start. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I like the idea of doing these challenges. Um, no, people okay, love it. So, I mean, people get too obsessed. <laughs> I'm like, go, go start your business. The whole point is not to just be doing a failure challenges all the time. I know. I want to I high-five strangers now. <laughs> you should. You should. Or do a coffee challenge. That's the one I, I found that has been life-changing. My brother is funny. He's a doctor, and he's like, oh, I'm not afraid of shit. And he's really cool. I love my brother, and he's tough, and he's a good guy, and he really isn't afraid of much. Like, he wears a do-rag around town, and we're little Jewish dudes. Come on. 
<laughs> and uh, but he and he was like, oh, I'll do the coffee challenge. Oh, it ain't shit. And we went to the place, and he was like, I'm nervous. I'm like, I know, I know, it's nervous for me too. But now, okay, but, but, let me just ask you this, just so I could I could do this and I get all the technical details right. Do you give a tip sure. after you pay? So the point is, is that you go to the barista and you say that you make your order. I say, all right, it'll be $5. You say, can I have 10% off? And then they're going to look at you like you're insane, and you just sit there. And they'll, sometimes they'll say, why do you want a discount? And you're like, I would just like one. And it's insane. It's just such an amazing experience that I, you only can learn if you do it. Like me telling you will not help you learn. Instead. And that's what I've realized from our course is that experiencing it is a, a night and day difference than listening to this podcast or reading a book or, you know, buying a course or buying the stuff is the easy part. It's the doing it, which is the hard part. And practicing, and coffee is trivial, but practicing things like that will help you do it in many other aspects of life. All right, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to I'm definitely gonna do this. I'm going che- to also check out strangerchallenge.com to see what other uh, uh, challenges so, so okay, so uh, yeah, so this starts to get past the psychology of building an email list. Now, what are some of your tactics for building the email list? Yeah, so here are the things I'll tell you because I do it on OKDoor.com and we've done it with AppSumo. The main things that have worked really well for us, one, it's, I hate it because it's cliche, but promoting great products, so promoting content ultimately that people want to read. So on OKDoor.com, I found people love marketing. That's what they really want more of for me. And I, then I found out that when I write 3,000-word posts is when I get more traffic and more emails. So number one, collect emails. Number two, figure out what people really want to hear from you, that they're excited to give you their email address. Third, I found that giveaways work really well. So we did like Dropbox for Life giveaways. And you have to work backwards from the giveaways that, of the ideal customers. Right? So think of your customers as you have a customer that's like a pie, right? And there's different ways that you're going to appeal to different customers. So not every one of your customers is going to come from a giveaway. So we found giveaways really effective. We found online advertising really effective, specifically Facebook ads and retargeting. Uh, that was really, really valuable. And I would discourage people from spending money on email lists until they're making money from their email list. And so we never really, we didn't spend any money until we actually um, had people paying us for things. Uh, so, 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 so you would do a Facebook ad that would send people to a landing page where, like, you would do a giveaway, and uh, if, you get the, if you want this giveaway, you, get, you have to sign up for the email list. Yeah, I'll do two other ones. We would do that, James, but we'd also do ads to paid products. And a, a huge way that's really, really good is creating great, not shitty, but great free products. So you give away something that's really, really great so that people want more from you. And you can either do ads or give that away for free, and that's been a really effective way for us. Like, we used to do videos every week that we'd give away for free. We'd pay, like, Eric Rees and all these guys to share knowledge, and we'd give it for free, and then that would grow the list. And then I'd say, lastly, one of the, the really effective ones, it's called, I call it zero-dollar partnerships. And so what we specifically did was that I would look, I've done it two ways. I would look for sites that were, that were, were promoting their product, and I'd say, hey, we're promoting your product. You should email and tweet and Facebook to your free customers, your non-paying customers, about the promotion. Because your paying customers are already paying. Let's not piss them off. But here's, and I'd give them the template, and I think that's the key thing. I would give them a template to make it easy for them. I'd lubricate it. So all they do is put it in their MailChimp or whatever, hit send to their free customers, and then that would promote their product as well, get us email subscribers. So that was really good. Another way that anyone can do this is reach out to a blog, okdork.com, jamesalbertshire.com, probably start with something smaller and say, hey, I have this great product. I just want to give it away free to your readers. And what most people do, James, is the opposite of what you're encouraging or Gary Vaynerchuk encourages, which is give, 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 give. They're like, I get a lot of emails every day. I'm sure you do too. And it's like, Noah, I want, I want, I want. 
and it's very infrequent. And it's not that I want people to give or take things from me, but I never really get people emailing saying, "Hey, Noah, I have a, a plane or I have a Kickstarter product that I think you're. I know your audience because I love tacos. No, I know you love tacos. I have a product related to tacos. I want to give away a hundred free. Do you want to give it away on your blog? I'd be like, hell yeah. Or there's a guy. It's, so he's like, I'm going to give away. It's a monthly uh, paleo hunger hunt gather snack.com. I'll pimp them for free. Hunt gather snack.com. It's awesome. It's monthly paleo boxes. And Casey just emailed me and he said, hey man, I want to hook you up. I want to hook up your audience with free monthly paleo boxes. I got one of the boxes. The food was awesome. And so we're working out now how to promote him to the audience for free to 100,000 plus people on okdork.com. So with AppSumo, we had a lot of success going to different companies and blogs and say, hey, we want to give it away for free, and we'll even do the writing for you. We will do the work for you. Make it easy for other people to say yes. So those are, those are probably the top ways that I've seen. So, you know, ask for it aggressively, give away great stuff, figure out what kind of stuff they really want, advertising, giveaways, $0 partnerships. I would say the thing that people fundamentally miss is they don't understand who their customer is. Like, let's say you wanted to start an email list about, like, food. What most people do is they go and, like, post some pussy thing on, like, Reddit or Facebook, and they kind of hope people sign up. If you really want to start something about food, go email take 10 of your friends who like food and email them once a week, and that's how you get started. But most people kind of do the passive thing versus an active thing. And so that's why I really try to, you know, with our, with our monthly 1K.com program, it's like, all right, how do you actively get free customers instead of, like, praying and hoping that they come around? Yeah, that's really so that, that uh, that's really a good idea. Uh, actually, put it in the hands of people who you know will read it. Most people, like your friends. Like, this is always funny because a lot of people look at me and yes, I do have a little bit of attention more than I would say an average online person. But every because everyone's like, well, so like I started a business as an example called SumoJerky.com. I wanted to prove to people that they could come up with any idea, give it to me, and give me twenty four hours to make a thousand dollars profit. And I'm not super special. I just did the work. And then people were like, well, you have a ton of friends, and you. I had a lot, my parents rejected me on buying my monthly jerky. My brother rejected me on my monthly jerky. A lot of people rejected me. But what the two things that I, I think stood out for that specific example is that one, I did it, which most people just kind of make excuses. They don't get up early. They don't stay up late. They're out on Saturdays, right? They're not doing it. And secondly, I don't think they really understood who their customers are. So when you're doing a business or even a newsletter, who is your ideal person? And for the jerky example, I actually found out it wasn't individuals. It wasn't healthy people. It was offices with snack budgets. So they could expense it without thinking about it. So I think that was kind of the, you know, for the email list, kind of the same, same parallel. It was like, well, who is the ideal person for it? And so, uh, the original part that I was tying it back is that everyone, is, I know we're going a, a bit along, a bit long, but the, the key point with no, that is... No, that's okay. That we can go has, as long as we want. We can go for five hours if we want. Oh, this is fun. Well, the key <laughs> thing that I was going to encourage people to do is every single fucking person, man, look at your... Okay, let's say you're not even on social media. Oh, I hate Facebook, hate Twitter. Fine, fuck those. Look at your LinkedIn. Every single person has between 300 and 500 contacts on LinkedIn. Look at your phone book. Every single person has between 200 and 600 people, regardless of where you are in the world. And if you look through that and you actually tap into your own network, you can pretty much start any business you want. And guess what? If you're starting a business outside your network, good fucking luck. It's just going to be a Why make it hard on yourself? That's one of the well, common mistakes I've seen with our monthly 1K program. It's really interesting because, like, let's take LinkedIn as an example. I've only recently started using LinkedIn, but I've got, like, 40,000 followers on LinkedIn. And uh, uh, I should just uh, go out on LinkedIn and ask people to sign up for my email list. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you I will. do that? I'm right going to. But then I, I feel it in my head. Like, then the worries come up. Like, oh, maybe LinkedIn will be angry or maybe these followers will be upset. Why is he asking for something? You know, even though I've written lots of good articles on LinkedIn and so on. 
Well, I would say two things, James. I mean, this is just personally. One, do the coffee challenge, <laughs> and you'll get yes. more comfortable asking for things. And this is one of the things. Like when I talked earlier about my goals, like for our course, we had a goal, and for our business, we had a goal. That's only after I knew what I was promoting, I was happy with. Like with OKDoors.com, I love asking people for email. With AppSumo, I love asking people for email. So sue me in our course, monthly1k.com. I'm happy telling people about it because I know it's good. And I think sometimes if you have a shitty thing or you're not really proud of it, then there's probably, it's probably a, a, a sign that it, there's something off. But if you have something really good, like James, if you had a restaurant and I'm in New York and I'm like, hey, James, where should I eat? You're going to want to tell me about some place you really love to eat, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's really funny because, you know, so I had an article the other day that had over a million views, had 1.2 million views on it. And someone asked me, like someone literally like hit me, why didn't you ask for email addresses anywhere on this article? So it was true. I didn't. Well, and the thing is you have to be true to yourself. So if if it's not important to you, then that's fine because I know sometimes you can, especially in New York, right, or like ego style, like, oh, I have this mailing list and my dick is this big and all this shit. It's like, well, I don't really care. Like with OK Dork, my personal, I don't try to make money on it because I enjoy writing. I enjoy learning. I enjoy sharing it. And that's my goal. It's not to try to make it a million-dollar business. The other thing that I would challenge you with, James, and for any other one, anybody listening, is that if you're uncomfortable, practice being comfortable, but secondly, start small. All right? So instead of, like, making everything about email and being super annoying, or, like, uh, let me give you a specific example. Uh, there's a girl, her name is Stephanie from EmpowerDollar.com, and she's awesome. Really, really great girl. Good attitude. And she wants to make money on her blog. And I think she has about a 300-person mailing list. She gets 100 people a day. And she, she makes $200 a month. And, and she was like, I don't want to piss people off. I don't. It's a very similar story to you, James. And I was like, well, what if you – and I gave her a time window. I said, what if you had to make $1,000 or $100, let me make it simple, by this Thursday? And this is what I asked her on Friday. And it made it really interesting. And I was like, well, how could you start small? Let's not put a lot of risk in. And she's like, well, I draw comics, and everyone loves my comics. And I was like, why don't you just send out an email today – Put your comic in there for sale, like the physical copy of it, and put a PayPal link. And that's what she did this morning. And it's like, all right, don't send it to all your mailing lists. Just send it to maybe 10 of them. And that's where I'd really tell people, it's like, how do you break it down to something small so the risk is less? And you don't have to, you know, same thing with our King Sumo product today. We didn't email our 750,000 people. We emailed 10,000. And we found out there were some huge issues. People wanted to know if international worked. They wanted to know the pricing was confusing. They wanted to see how the actual product worked. And guess what? Instead of blowing our load and having to take a big risk and emailing everyone and having all that go down, now we only, you know, we did it with 10,000. We can fix everything. And now we can go back and make sure it works and promote it to the rest of our, our customers. So, so you, we ultimately start small with something. So that's a great idea. So, so right now you, like every week or so, you offer like new products on AppSumo or how does, how does it work? Can yeah. I go back to your old products? Yeah, it's not, the UI is a little confusing. It's in the top left. You can browse and see other products provided generally. Uh, the AppSumo pro- promotions are from one to three days. And, and they're all products that you feel would be good for people to build their online businesses. So let's say, let's say I'm, uh, you know, quitting my job. I have an info product that I want to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What, would you, what would you suggest would be my first steps? That's actually how we made the course. And I was talking about the evolution of AppSumo was that we didn't have enough other people's products. So we created a course, which was the number one question we got, but how did we start? And we showed it to people. But that took us literally a year and about $400,000 to build and really fine-tune it to where it is today. But it started out with me just manually helping people. So here's the things I would encourage if you're just starting out. Well, why did it cost you $400,000 to build? It, it's funny. People always say the number but never ask. Very good. One, I have to pay salaries of two developers 
So that's about $20,000 a month. One designer, he's 8000 so that's now 30000 a month, right? So I have to pay for that. I have to pay for actually well, my time, right? So I have to pay the salaries of all the people that are doing it. And then it's like that takes a lot of time. It took us a whole year of working on it, plus the customer support person. We have, now we have a community manager. She's 50000 a year plus, right? So that kind of stuff adds up. That's all dedicated staff to building this product. And the product took us a significant amount of time to actually finally get there. It wasn't making, we didn't even make money from November until March. Right? And so you decided to do this as product. a product. Now, obviously, it could have been a book, for instance, but you didn't want to do that because it wouldn't make as much money. No, it had nothing to do with that. I actually had a book deal on the table uh, about how, how to start a business. Hmm. Um, it's because I fundamentally believe that this format and the method that we do and the system that we've created is the most effective way. Like, how many books, like, here's the thing, James. Everyone who started a business wants to start a business. We call them entrepreneurs, and we hate them. Every entrepreneur has bought books. Every entrepreneur has bought the Lean Startup or the 4-Hour Workweek. But why don't they have the business then? They bought the book. What's the right. difference? And it's the action. It's the action and the accountability. And so that's what we found out and what we had. A, we didn't see this as the whole point. We had to look for the anomalies of what's working. And what was working was accountability. So it was like, shit, all right, so now Ariel, who's amazing as our community manager, helps people be accountable. What else? All right, let's create a group that people can then support each other. And we found that our group is actually one of the most valuable assets that we provide in our course. Because it was funny. when I, And so you asked about someone just starting out. One, I would never encourage someone to quit their job. I think that's stupid. I never quit my job. Never quit Intel until I had Facebook. I never quit Mint until I had my Facebook apps. I never started AppSumo until I knew it was already working. I was actually doing consulting for an online dating site. Um, Which I would site? make sure that what you're doing... Speeddate.com? Oh, okay. I never heard of it. My buddy... <laughs> I guess we didn't do a good job. Uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a dater at this point. I'm married. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I was a dater, dater at one point, but not a speed dater. Yeah, you're a slow dater. Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, very slow. I thought you were going to say I'm not a dater. I just crush a lot. It's like a big pun lyric. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but so here's how I encourage anyone to start a business. And this is what we teach people, and this is what we help them with. It's that... How do you validate? Basically, there's four phases of starting a business. So it's getting over fear. That's actually, a, we didn't even have that in the beginning. So I created this product the same way I encourage people to start businesses. I did it manually. I didn't create a website in the beginning. I didn't buy ads. I didn't buy fucking landing page. I didn't spend any money. I discouraged that. But what I did go do is help people manually. I said, hey, who wants to start a business? It's $100, and we're going to hang out and go over starting your business. And I did that for a fair amount of time. And only from that did I figure out people have a lot of fear. I didn't know that. And so that's what we added to the product. And secondly, I, people weren't doing shit. We would meet with them. They would have one struggle, and then the next week, nothing would be done. And so we found out that we actually needed to check in with people and provided support so that they, when they have questions or they're struggling, they have other people around them. Uh, but the four phases are, you know, getting over fear and asking for things, idea generation, validation, which is getting three customers in 48 hours, and then it's figuring out how do you get to $1,000 a month. And so that's the way that we've broken out and found success and effectiveness in starting businesses with people. And we have, you know, thousands of people that have gone through it. Can't say all of them have been successful, uh, but a, you know, a decent amount. A lot that we're proud of. That's really great. So, so, uh, uh, and then how many how many people actually did it? How many people got to the one k a month? Um, right now, I mean, it's still going on. It's an ongoing program. We didn't want to do. I don't do big launches and shit like that. I think we have a little over forty five hundred people actively are in it or have gone through it. A lot of them, like Brian from videofruit.com or Yael Grewer, Nate, uh, Nate created, he creates like antique signs. We actually bought one for a thousand bucks at Sumo. It's like antique vintage signs. 
Huh. Um, yeah, people are still going through it. People are still talking and helping each other every day. But your what's, original what's the biggest success? Like, who was the who scaled the most so far? Uh, I don't really, I don't know. I would say Brian from Video Fruit, who does about ten to fifteen thousand uniques a month, quit his job. Um, I don't know his exact revenue numbers. Somewhere between five and ten thousand a month. Which which product specifically is this? Is this the this is not King Sumo? What, what, which product is this that this that is teaches 1K. people? Com. Monthly1k.com, it's our program to help you. It shows you how we started and how people to start a $1,000 a month business or more. And uh, do, you, do you spell out 1K or is it the number 1K? It's the number one and then K. And I okay. think you asked the question, I'll just be specific. I hate when people are fluffy. Um, you asked how would I start an info product business. So let's just say, I don't know, do you have any ideas? Like what, what's kind of a info product business that you're thinking of? Um, uh, ways to get rid of your student loan debt. So most people then, what do they do? They write a book and they create a landing page and they do all this bullshit. So here's the first thing I would do. I would try to find one person with student loan debt. Like I would go through my contacts and say like, or you know, I'd reach out individually, call, text, email. I would be very active, not passive and post things and wait. And I'd try to find one person with student loan debt. And I would see, all right, let me go help them manually. And that's what I really encourage people to do is that, all right, let me go see. What do you need help with your student loan debt? I don't know which credit card is the best. All right, I will do that for you. Let's go figure out your credit cards. And I'm like, then you can create a system when you notice the patterns of what problems people are having. So I would see with student loan debt, all right, they are really struggling with every month having an auto payment. All right, let's work on that. Hey, they're not struggling with support. They don't need other people checking, like talking to them. Maybe monthly they do. And then once I could find a pattern and I could find at least three customers within a short period of time, then I would start exploring, all right, well, I keep telling people the same shit. Let me just either videotape it, voice record it, and get it transcribed or write down what I keep telling them, then I could start worrying about the online marketing part and getting actually scaling it and growing. I hate the word scale because most people use that word to avoid starting. And so it could be with anything that people are interested in. But the point is, is like, how do you build it up? Most people stop themselves from ever starting or they worry about the end. And what they really need to be doing is like, all right, hey, let's just say you want to do a restaurant business or you want to do a food business. Have people over and charge them for food. (laughs) Don't worry about getting a restaurant. Don't worry about farmer's market. Don't worry about I, I, I love like, this. This is like uh, essentially you're kind of breaking down all the barriers, every excuse people normally and, have. Oh, and you know what's funny, James? Everyone will still make an excuse. And I, that's why, like, even like this year, I'm not focused on as much starting the business stuff. I want people who are really doing action and helping them grow. I want people who are, like, really willing to wake up early, 5 a.m., work after a weekend, work after night, work on weekends if they're real serious about, what, you know, starting their own business. And every business can be broken down because then there's always some smart asses like, well, what about a web business? What about Google? I'm like, all right, let's do Google, right? So, James, how would you start Google? You, have, you can't spend any money. How would you validate Google as a business? How would I validate it as a business? That's a hard thing because I would validation. basically get an, uh, an open source search engine. <laughs> and uh, then I'd, well, knowing in advance, then I'd outsource uh, the right-hand side uh, not outsource, but I would sell the right-hand side to people who want to buy keywords. But, of course, I already know Google did that. All right. So that's already a lot of time, and, and you're obviously smart. So you, and a lot of engineers have a very fundamental problem of building, right, because it's easier to build than get a customer, much easier. But what does Google fundamentally do? What's the problem that they solve? Like, originally, what was the problem that they solved? Uh, having having a improved search. Yeah, but what, what is that problem solving? 
Uh, it depends on, on who, what, what customer base you're saying. So, so for advertisers, the problem is how can I reach people who are very interested Perfect. in my product? For the average person the on the street, it's uh, how can I get a better search when I type in motorcycles? Exactly. Well, it wasn't even that. What Google fundamentally does, the advertiser product is exactly accurate. For the Google problem, uh, they help people find things. They find the solution. And so that's what I would challenge people on is that for Google to validate them, what are you doing? You're finding people answers. So fundamentally, I could call up all my friends and be like, hey, is there any, and this is before Google days, hey, is there anything you're looking for? Yeah, I'm really looking for X. All right, it's a dollar and I'll find it for you. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, that sounds stupid. But that's the point. It's like, how do you break it down to the fundamental problem you're solving and seeing if people will actually pay for it? Not, hey, I promise I'll pay for it. That's bullshit. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I, I, I love this approach. It's the fundamental thing, the same with Facebook, too. What's Facebook? It, they do marketing, college marketing. All right, I'd go to a local business. Hey, I have 50 students I can email. Will you pay $10 to reach them? Sure. Then I would get their money, I would go get 50 students, and I would email them. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, all right, now let me go connect all the students, put them on a website, and help them have sex. All right, so so, I, so, that's, so that's interesting. Like the, so the so that's the so basically, you would go in to a real world example, see what the real issues are, and then start building, uh, kind I of you know, right, documenting your process essentially. Yeah, I mean, it, it varies per type of business you do, but this is what I've I've helped thousands of people now, and it's, I've, the the best thing about it is I've learned where people have pitfalls and what works, and the, the, one of the key things is like breaking things down to the the lowest common denominator and really seeing if you can get money for your idea or not. And what most people do, and I have, I did, I'm not superhuman. I have the same fears. I'm like, I, I spend, I spent three weeks like avoiding it. I'm like, Oh, let me ask a lot of people. Let me get their opinion. Let me do research. Let me do modeling. And it was for an events business. And then I finally, and I put the article on AppSumo and I finally just one day was like, all right, I'm going to give myself today and I have to do it. And so I just started selling tickets for events that weren't even existing yet. And that's actually, if you think about it, most, Every, not most everything, but a lot of stuff you pay for doesn't even exist. But the point is to validate that people want those things. So, like, tickets for events. Those events don't, may not even exist yet for concerts, for shows, for a lot of that stuff. For your airplane tickets, you're buying a month in advance. Hotel tickets, months in advance. How do you know those things even exist? Well, of course they do. Do they? So, right. So, for so instance, the point is, um, uh, let's just take me as an example because I like talking about sure. myself. Uh, I could put on <laughs> uh, my blog, okay, I'm going to speak on this date. In New York City, I don't know where yet. I haven't had any of it set up yet, but it'll cost fifty dollars. Here's the PayPal link. Ju- you know, July tenth, I'm there. Exactly, exactly. And then guess what? If no one buys it, perfect. You didn't have to waste time doing all that shit, like the conferencing, getting the venue, and all the shit. No one buys it, perfect. Now you can finally learn what do they really want. What do they open and click that email but did not buy? And you could start moving it towards what they'll actually want to give you money for. But what most people do is they'll spend all the time thinking about it and, and not actually learning and growing from actually doing the, the work. But that's a, that's a perfect example, James. Hmm. Okay, so what are, what are some other pitfalls that you find people have along the way when starting a business? So some of the common ones, they talk about needing money. Oh, well, my idea, and everyone, this is one uh, funny thing. Everyone's business is unique. I've never had someone say I have a very common business. Everyone's like a laundromat. Oh, they're like, oh, no, my idea is super unique, and I, you're, you're going to be blown away by it. I'm like, one, I won't give a shit, and two, it doesn't matter what your idea is. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what your customers think. So, one, people always are saying they need funding. That's, they don't. A lot of people saying that but I need a technology partner because ours is very technological-driven. I just proved with Google, 
I'm not proved, but I've shown that with Google, you don't need technology. Same with Facebook. Like, even with Facebook, one of my favorite examples someone came up with, I didn't come up, I thought it was great. What does Facebook do? It connects people. Do you need a website for that? No. Put it in a Google spreadsheet. Connect people. <laughs> Have them put their name, phone number, email, and photo. Simple. Free. And then you see if people will actually do it. And then you could build the website. Um, so you don't need funding. You don't need a partner. And I think fear, man, that's probably one of the most common things that, that people are, are afraid of. Like, one, I feel guilty charging. I don't feel I'm afraid of asking people. And that's why a lot of people will do passive things like, you know, put it up on a blog or something where no one will see it or get do cold calls or ask people that don't know them so the rejection doesn't say that they're bad. It just says that the idea is bad. Hmm. And it's just, you know, people are afraid. And so that's why, you know, we spend a lot of time on the psychology, surprisingly. It's not something I thought we would do. So other than like the coffee challenge, which I see could help to overcome fear, what are some other ways to overcome the fear? I mean, to see that it's working, <laughs> to really start doing it and learn. Right. right. So, so, like so basically to approach, to like you say, to approach 10 friends and see what they say. Exactly. Exactly. And do it today. That's the most common thing is I think people, you know, they read for our work week and I love Tim and I love his book, but I, I think they'll read the book, get excited, but they don't really want to do the work. And that's fine. It's not great to be an entrepreneur. It sucks a lot of the day. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, and I think, really... to, to Tim's credit, like, the world's changed a lot, too. I think there's a lot more tools that can get you a lot closer to the goal, a lot more specific. But it sounds like what you're doing is trying to take it to the next step. Like, here's, here's how we fill in all the gaps in terms of making exactly. that leap. You know, Tim's book has inspired so many people, and it's been huge for us. And I'm, I'm you know, Tim's a buddy. I like Tim. And it's like we're trying to paint in and hold, it's like, Tim is like, here's how to do it. We're putting the training wheels on and holding their hands to get them to do it. And, you know, I think the most thing that anyone can do out there is that figure out what you really want. Like, some people want a business, but what they really want is just a better job. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's just trying to figure out how do you create the job that you want to be going to on Monday. You're not avoiding it. And that could be working for someone else who's just really nice, or that could be for yourself. But you have to do it today, and you have to really understand what you really want with your work. And I, one of my true passions is having people do the work they love. I love when someone's like doing some bullshit job. Like I met a guy who's in a, he's a construction worker. And we, I, I think at least tech jobs, I sit in a fucking computer. I can, I'm working from New York this week. We're going to work from Bali. Like I can work from anywhere. It's awesome. And so I saw this construction worker. I'm like, oh man, that fucking sucks. You're doing manual labor all day. And he actually looked down on me. Huh. <laughs> he looked funny. down on me. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know what? I, my mind is mine. Your mind is on work all day. I get my mind to myself. I just have to use my body. And I just thought that was so fascinating that he actually saw that as a dream job for himself. And that was really rewarding for me to hear that perspective. And that's what I want for everyone, just enjoying their work. So the, the course is, and my mom hated her job. I think that kind of influenced me to create this product. Because I want people to like their work, whether it's for someone else or for themselves. Well, what I, what I like about AppSumo, uh, your, let's call it your umbrella of all your different projects, because it sounds like you have a ton of different projects going on. What I like about AppSumo is that you're constantly giving up ideas of different ways my job or let's say business can be improved. Like, so today I bought the copywriting checklist and it's actually a really great checklist. I think it was like $10 for improving your sales copy. Like, so things like that I would never have known about without AppSumo. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, what we try to do is promote cool stuff. First year we promoted via email list. Last year we created a course. And then this year, it's now how do we help people grow their business? Think of it as like a triangle. It's like promoting stuff to, to run your business. Now here's a tool to start. Now sumome.com is our free tool to help people grow. And ultimately, it's all founded on promote cool stuff. That's 
that's all we want to do. And that's what really motivates us and excites us to be doing it. And, and what's your goal? Like, like, so, so you have revenues, you have profits. What's your, what's your goal? Like if someone, if, if, if Google came along and said, here's $10 million, can we buy your business? Would you take it? It's hard. I don't, sometimes yes, sometimes no. If Google came today, 10 million cash after taxes and it's not really that much. That's the thing. Like I like going to, I like, I can go to work. So I don't have to go to work. I like what I do every day. I think I'd struggle with James. Like, I don't know what else I would do. And I, right. I like what I'm doing now. I like, I get, I get a write on okdoor.com. I get to hang out with guys I really enjoy. Came out soon, like, we get to promote cool stuff. Like, I don't know what else I'd want to do. Maybe open a restaurant or a taco shack. Um, <laughs> what about a taco food truck? Dude, I think that's money. I'd probably have a taco thing at my house and see it. Well, what about Uber for tacos? So I give you a call. I'm anywhere in the East Village, I give you a call, and I get a, a, a beef taco within six minutes. Dude, I think you're onto something. Well, there's, here, I'll tell you for tacos. Well, so you, to answer your question, I don't know. I would probably lean towards no. It's, I'm not going to bullshit. If it was like $20 million, I'd probably consider it. But my life wouldn't change. Like, I love my scooter. I love my Mini Cooper. I don't know what I would do with this money that I don't already own now. And that's something that, because of Facebook, I've been much more comfortable with. I like my apartment. I like my view. I love living in Austin. Like, you know, I've been in nice places in Austin. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I like where I am now. And it wouldn't make me happier. I don't, maybe a little happier, but not, you know, not, wouldn't tremendously change my life. So I, I don't know if I would do it, even, maybe 20. <laughs> well, well, uh, but no, uh, I, I yeah. really appreciate all these, uh, uh, suggestions and advice for, for everything, for starting businesses, for challenges for me. What's one more challenge I can do? I, I'm going to do these challenges. I want to break down my fears. What's, what's another challenge I can do? I want you to post on LinkedIn asking for an email today. All right. Asking for, for people to sign up for my email list. Exactly. And then I think you should share that you're afraid. Yeah. That's a really great idea. That, and you know what? That sort of answers, that's like a very copywriting skill thing. That kind of answers their objections a little bit. It like tells a little story in one sentence. I think that sounds really nice. I'm, I think it would be good for you and it would push you to challenge yourself. By the way, I've just realized I've had an inordinate number of people on my podcast from Austin. So there's you, there's Ryan Holiday, there's Tucker Max, there's Austin Cleon, there's Charlie Hone. That's at least five that I know of. There's probably even more. Do you guys all, like, hang out together? Yeah, we do. I don't know Austin very well. I've read his book. Uh, but, yeah, me, Charlie, Tucker, Ryan. I mean, we hung out, I think, like, a week ago for Ryan's book launch. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, uh, I, just, I want to encourage people, not, don't move to Austin. It's horrible there. That's, what, that's our motto. <laughs> don't move. No, I, I spent some time high. in Austin visiting Tucker, actually, and I really liked it. It's, uh, no, I'm going to encourage all million people listening to this to, uh, to move to Austin. <laughs> and then uh, Tim Ferriss was just on the podcast, so I feel like he's an honorary Austin guy. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It just fits my lifestyle. Like, I grew up in born and raised like two miles from Apple. And, you know, my dad as an engineer. Like, I grew up my whole life around the valley. And it just, I don't know, it didn't suit me. I don't want to talk about funding and startups and my big size all day. And I really wanted a good balanced lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I mean, Austin fits that. Like, a few days ago, I had a business meeting on a basketball court, and I just walked home, and it was quiet. And it just dribbled the basketball. And, yeah, it felt fucking perfect. And I was just why, like, oh, I Why are you in New York City right now? Uh, Ramit is doing, I'm interviewing, getting interviewed for his uh, brain trust on Wednesday. And then uh, my good buddy Adam from my body tutor, I'm seeing his baby tomorrow. So those are the two reasons I came out. And how long are you out for? So Wednesday. Okay, I'm in town so uh, uh, Thursday. But uh, next time you're in town or next time I'm in Austin, we should, uh, we should get together. 
Okay, can I just say one thing because I was really curious about it? Sure. If I asked you something, so I met you at Michael Ellsberg's book party or party one time, and I was like oh. a little fanboy. I'm like, I read your blog, and you know, I was like, oh my god, it's Jesus Aldershire, and I was like screaming. I don't know if I had your tattoo on my arm. I don't know if you saw that, <laughs> and and I was like, oh my god, James, it's you. And I didn't know how to control myself. I didn't know how to behave. But I was like, hey, we should meet. Uh, you know, I hate meeting most of the time, and I, I'm sure you, you do most of them, too. But I emailed you, because you said to email you, and I never heard from you. And I was kind of sad. And so well, you know, I, I don't, like, oh, um, this is a productivity for, thing for me. I don't really read any of my emails. There's really, there's literally no way to get in touch with me. I don't have a yeah, phone, pretty and, and, I don't, and I don't read my emails. Oh, shit, sure. all right. Well, I guess that's actually, I'm curious for you, then. How, how would someone get a hold of you, or... You know, what makes you respond to certain people? I think for myself, I'm curious, and, and your listeners as well, like, how did that, a person like yourself, like, have meetings with or help out or, or talk to? Well, let's talk about you. So I believe someone I knew very well and who I, whose opinion I trusted said, hey, you should talk to Noah Kagan. So that was, I believe, Ryan Holiday, right? Uh, and uh, uh, so, so I sort of feel like I have a very good first line of defense. Um, not defense. It could be offense. But uh, uh, I, I feel for me, I already know a lot of people who I really, really like and trust and respect. And so these people are good people to kind of say, oh, James, you should also include Noah in the list of people you know, because he's a really good person to know. And then I trust that and say, OK, that sounds good. It could please make the introduction. So I believe in very much permission uh, networking. So if somebody says somebody's interesting and I agree, then... Um, then that's good. Damn, that was a good answer. Yeah, and then I do have an email box, which I have an assistant who goes through all of the emails, but he's more checking for people who have a real serious problem that he thinks I can help, or, uh, you know, someone who wants me to speak at a conference, for instance, although he usually I don't speak at conferences. Um, so, so there's all this stuff, but, not, but I'm glad you reminded me that... Uh, I really enjoyed Ellsberg's conference, and a lot of people wanted to meet me after that, and then I got a little overwhelmed. And that was really when I started uh, kind of not not reading email. I, I, I got rid of my phone. I actually, at a conference, threw my phone on the stage and smashed it into a million pieces and haven't replaced it. So, awesome. uh, uh, so, so I kind of just um, focus on my writing and trying to be better, and I focus on now on this podcast and trying to make it better, but maybe I miss out a little bit by not uh, uh, interacting more with people through email and so on. I mean, I think that's kind of like the moral of your show, though, is just kind of being aware and recognizing the things that, that make you fulfilled. Yeah, I right? know like, that hey, if I am always people... improve myself, then the people around me will get improved, then the people around them will get improved. So, for instance, by me, you know... <clears throat> being very active, helping Ryan. You know, I believed in the message of Ryan's book. Ryan was very interested in introducing me to you, for instance. I, I think it was Ryan who introduced us, or Tim, or Tucker, one of these guys. So uh, so that's how I build my, my network out, and it, it works very well. Yeah, I like the thought. Yeah, and look, and like I said, definitely, um, uh, I, I, this podcast was great. Let's definitely get together next time we're in the, in the same town. And I'm definitely going right, to... Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you for advice offline on some things, probably. Well, I'm not, how do I get a hold of you? Pigeon carrier? You don't have a phone? No email? I'll, 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 email I'll email you, and then you'll have uh, you'll have my <laughs> my my top secret Agent 86 email. Uh, that sounds good. Thank you for having me, James.
Okay, thanks a lot, Noah. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good Talk day. Soon. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.